Hello, everyone, and welcome to the study of antiquity and the Middle Ages. My name is Nick Barksdale, and today I am happy to host a very special guest today, Dr. Waldheisen. And he's going to be talking to us today about a particular favorite subject by quite a few of y'all, and that's going to be on the Sea Peoples themselves and the Late Bronze Age Collapse. So we're going to learn a little bit about him first. Doctor, would you tell me a little bit about yourself? Well, uh, I'm... Uh specialized in Mediterranean pre- and proto-history. That's an interdisciplinary um, research area. So I use uh, data from archaeology, uh, linguistics, and historical sources, if there are, and try to make a historical combination of it, story of it. Very awesome. Very awesome. And what about your uh, educational background? Will you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I studied Mediterranean pre- and proto-history as my uh, specialty, and uh, I did some uh, languages like uh, Mycenology and uh, Luvian. I specialized in, in Luvian hieroglyphic and also Italic dialects and, uh, of course, the, 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 the archaeology um, also, it's absolutely phenomenal. So we're going to jump into our presentation today. And uh, the reason I had actually contacted him and contacted you, I should say, is about the paper I found involving the ethnicity of the Sea Peoples. I'm still going through the rest of it myself, and I've always found that subject to be absolutely fascinating because there's so many, even to this day, that's still such a debate on who they were where they came from and so many people like yourself have your own viewpoints on that i think that's so awesome um so let's start by uh for people who may just now be getting into the subject when you think of the bronze age collapse what comes to mind for you well that's that's the period of the sea peoples uh of course and um it is a collapse in the sense that uh, the Hittite Empire uh, disappears totally from the scene after it. And uh, the Mycenaean Empire, there was a great king of Mycene Mycenae once, uh, also disappears. And there are uh, destruction layers uh, all from Greece to uh, to the Levant. Uh, Ugaritis in, in, is destroyed. Uh, a town in the Levant and um, uh, Egypt, of course, uh, survives, but um, it uh, is never becoming great again. Uh, yeah. after that. <laughs> <laughs> True. I think uh, I think Ramesses knew that too. <laughs> so the only the only empire with the old fashioned empire from the Bronze Age which survives is Assyria. Yes. And they're going to come back to a uh, haunt pretty much everybody else <laughs> until they finally make enough people mad towards the end. So it's uh, the Assyrian Empire. That's a fascinating and very vicious subject on its own. Those guys knew how to wage some pretty brutal warfare, I'm telling you. So, uh, all right. So we're going to jump. You know, you've explained to the Bronze Age to our newer people who are just now getting into the subject. It's basically the collapse of a variety of different empires. Some managed to survive. There's going to be new ones that pop up in the ashes of what was the Bronze Age as we go into the Iron Age. So let's actually talk about the Sea Peoples themselves. Um, in your opinion, where did they come from? Well, it was uh, diverse. Uh, it were diverse groups uh, uh, from the from the northern Mediterranean. 
Uh, of course, there was uh, Anatolia, the present-day Turkey uh, was represented, Western Turkey. We have the, the Cheker, which are Tukrits, which are from Troy. We have the Teres, uh, who are um, like the Tusenoi uh, from, the, from the Aegean um, Sea area. And uh, we have the Luca, which is also in uh, Anatolia, later Lycia. Uh, but there are also Greeks, uh, like uh, Ekvesh is uh, Achaioi, uh, the, the ancient name of the Greeks, uh, the Mycenaean Greeks. And they are also called Denien, which is uh, another um, ethnonym, uh, Danaoi from Homer. And uh, so, so there are more countries involved and uh, I strongly believe that uh, the remaining three are even from more Western region, um, Italy and uh, the islands. You have the Sherden who are the Sardinians, I believe. Yes. And the Shikles who are the Shekeles who are from Sicily. And then the last ones are the Wishes. And I think that are uh, Ausones or Oskians, which is Italic uh, dialect uh, group. So, so, so the, 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 the central Mediterranean, it's called, is also involved. But not further west, so uh, Iberia, uh, present-day Spain, is outside the picture. Okay, very interesting. That is actually that's actually very interesting. Um, so when it comes to, as you know, like many of the uh, sea peoples who didn't continue moving on, didn't continue migrating and fighting and stuff like that, many of them chose to stay behind, especially throughout the Levant. Um, like for example, a lot of people believe that the Philistines were actually left. Yeah. Over. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about the peoples who chose to stay and to kind of carve out a little place for themselves in the Levant. Well, the the there are two uh, phases in the in the resurrection uh, resurrections of the Sea Peoples. Uh, the one is uh, during Merneptah, Egyptian pharaoh, uh, in his fifth year. Uh, that's twelve hundred and eight. BC. Uh, then the sea peoples who are involved are uh, allies of the Libyans. And uh, there were all kinds of forts, fortresses uh, by the Egyptians on the coast. So they <laughs> choose to go uh, through the oasis in the hinterland of Libya and then uh, attacked um, Egypt. They were defeated. Okay. And the second phase is during Ramses the Ramesses the third, in his fifth and eighth year. That's uh, twelve, uh, eleven, hundred seventy six and seventy nine and seventy six. And then they go uh, not from the west, uh, but from the east. They go through the east. Uh, so they attack uh, Cyprus, uh, Ugarit, they make a camp in Amuru, which is uh, south of Ugarit, and then they go on to uh, Palestine, where uh, they find uh, found uh, five uh, cities, and they are the Philistines, of course. 
And uh, they move on uh, with uh, ships and army to uh, uh, Migdol is the place named uh, along the the uh, the branch of the Pelusian branch of the Nile. And there they are defeated also, and then they settle in Palestine. Interesting, very interesting. And of course, a lot of people believe that the Phoenicians eventually evolve out of that group too. Uh, would you agree to that, or would you disagree to that? Well, the Phoenicians are separate from the from the Philistines, but uh, they may have be, had contact because afterwards, after this uh, collapse, it are the Phoenicians who go to the west. Yes, and they may have uh, had good contacts nearby yeah. <laughs> who know how to sail to the west. Italy and uh, Sardinia, Sicily, and the, the Phoenicians even go to Iberia. So they go on to the west. Very interesting. So what uh, what really got you started into, uh, like, what, what led you to actually write the paper, The Ethnicity of the Sea Peoples? Well, The Ethnicity of the Sea Peoples was uh, a book uh, which was my dissertation. Well, I had written something uh, on the Sea Peoples. Uh, there are uh, texts from uh, Cyprus, which are in um, so-called Cypro-Minoan script. And I think I can read it. It's just bookkeeping uh, records, so nothing uh, literary or something like that, but just... Uh, uh, cargoes uh, with uh, metals and uh, and cloth uh, for sale, and um, these texts are, uh, speak about uh, Shekeles, which is one of the the Sea Peoples, and they speak about uh, Luca, which is one of the Sea Peoples. So I got involved in the in the Sea Peoples in this way. That's interesting. That's always cool to find out what brings around someone's fascination with a certain subject. Um, my personal fascination revolves around Celtic history of like the Celtic speaking peoples throughout, especially uh, the late Bronze Age, but early Iron Age Europe, especially um, when it comes to the Sea Peoples. And we know it was a massive confederation of different little groups, which you've already talked about some of the individuals. How many if you had to put it in a tribe perspective? or a different people perspective, would you think that there were probably hundreds of groups that made up the entirety of the Sea Peoples or much oh, smaller? There were, there were nine groups, nine groups. So uh, there are no more uh, groups that we know of. Uh, the Egyptian texts uh, inform us about uh, nine groups. So, and it was a combination of uh, various languages. Uh, so they had to, uh, to organize uh, with um, interpreters, etc., etc. But it, that's all possible in principle. Uh, if you know, uh, the army of the Carthaginians uh, was also made up of Celts and <laughs> Numidians and uh, various kinds with different languages. Oh yeah, so we have we have a number of um, in history. We have a lot of uh, examples that. Um, that there can be more languages and that it's no problem to fight uh, together. But uh, the thing is, they settle separately. So uh, the Philistines settle in the in the five towns in um, in the in what's now uh, Israel. Um, but uh, north of them, there are um, the Checker uh, near uh, Dor, 
place called Dor, and um, uh, even uh, the Sardinians are near Akko, also in uh, present-day Israel. So they se- they settled separately after the the fighting they had. Interesting. And it seems like they they tended to uh, integrate pretty well into the indigenous populations as well. Yes, yes. The 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 five cities in uh, in uh, of the Philistines. Four of the cities already existed. Uh, one or two are destroyed and newly built, and there is only one which is uh, a new foundation. So they they mixed with the local uh, population, and um, of course we do not uh, know uh, exactly how many uh, colonists uh, there were. But it must have been substantial. You need at least uh, two thousand male fighting men uh, to make uh, a town uh, with children and and women, etc., etc. So um, I think it must have been in the thousands, uh, the, 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 the population, uh, the incoming population. I can believe that. That was actually one of my questions was how large did you think, if you had to yeah. give a guesstimate, how big that would be? Do you think that the overall, the complete migration slash incursions of the sea peoples do you think it would be possibly more than a hundred thousand or would you say less a hundred thousand is a little bit uh, too much but uh it may be in the thousands uh, maybe ten thousand or something like that it's it must also uh, be done with ships uh, from those period uh so from that period so um can be too much. You you need only a few um, uh, thousand uh, to uh, to to have a change in in the in the situation. Uh, you know they they ruled uh, present day Israel and uh, the the Jewish population also because the Jewish were not allowed to have uh, iron weapons. Oh, that's interesting. Set. I did not know that. Philistines forbid it uh, to them, so they uh, they were not happy with it. So uh, it was for a few hundred years they were important, and then they mixed all together with the local population. I'd never heard of that before about the ancient Israelites not being allowed to own iron weapons. Yeah, it's in the Bible. Would you mind? Uh, would you mind talking about that for just a moment? Well, that's that's the information we have. Just, we don't uh, have. just the whole interesting. What a uh, so just uh, essentially. So I guess the Philistines had probably conquered the Israelites, or at least they were more powerful, and so they. Yes. Yes, it's still laws. Basically, could they own bronze? Well, you have the story, of course, of Goliath and David, and David wins, but he wins with a sling, and uh, Goliath is the fully equipped uh, military man. Uh, so it was against all odds that David won this uh, this fight. I had never because he didn't have iron weapons, etc. Because it was forbidden to have iron weapons. Sir. I had I had never heard of that until today. I kid you not. Okay. Usually uh, over here in the uh, like, especially in the USA, people tend to tell that story is like uh, he used the sling to, you know, prove that armor wasn't everything or he had divine help. But that's fascinating to hear that. I I guess I'd never actually thought of it that way, because, I mean, growing up, we've all heard Bible stories and stuff like that. But I would never actually thought about that. That is absolutely fascinating. I'm totally going to have to include this in the video just because <laughs> I know if I didn't know about it, then I'm sure thousands of my subscribers didn't either. That's absolutely awesome. 
Wow. I love it when I learn stuff like that. That's complete. What blew my mind. <laughs> um, man, that threw me off, actually. <laughs> you know, as well as I do, more than I do, actually, that there are so many different theories on the sea peoples. And I mean, people have been writing about it for decades. In your opinion, almost as a fun question, what is the craziest theory that you've ever heard about the Sea Peoples? Well, there are many, uh, but uh, one of them is that uh, there was no migration at all, and the Sea Peoples were already living in the in the Egyptian Delta, and uh, so nothing, uh, no movement at all. So this is uh, very popular with uh, archaeologists who don't want to see a change in the in the in the culture, etc. Or they they are not convinced that there are new settlers. So th that's the discussion in archaeology uh, always. But uh, the Egyptian texts are very clear that uh, the sea peoples uh, come from the sea because they say they are from the sea. Yeah, yam yam is uh, sea, and uh, they say uh, exactly that they penetrated the mouth of the Niles of the Nile. So they come from the north, from the sea, and they go into the Egyptian Delta uh, with ships, etc. So uh, the, the 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 term sea peoples is is very adequate. It's some some people uh, doubt this, but uh, the Egyptian texts are very clear about this. Oh yeah, no, that's that's absolutely awesome. Um, eventually, there are a couple of uh, scholars who's written about the Sea Peoples that their whole dissertation is based on uh, Egyptian writings on the subject. I'm actually going to be interviewing a couple of them eventually too. That'll be pretty interesting to get into is just the complete, the actual Egyptian texts and all of, you know, all of the information that they provide. I like that you brought up how they had actually, uh, to avoid the sea forts or the coastal forts in Egypt, they had <laughs> seemed to have adapted quite quickly and uh, launched a land invasion. Well, they, they were then uh, allies of the Libyans who lived there and who know the oases, uh, so they know exactly how to travel uh, behind the the the, the fortresses. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like how uh, the Celts uh, helped Hannibal get through the Alps. They uh, kind yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah. the oasis. Yeah. Uh, so since they we know that they were they could adapt, they could use the land. They could also hit from the sea. Uh, let's talk about Greece real quick. In the Bronze Age collapse, there are, uh, as we know, a lot of cities in Greece got wiped out, burned to the ground. Uh, populations had to move or they got essentially killed. Um, is it possible because I've seen different people talk about that maybe the same thing also happened there, a combined sea and land attack? Uh, yes, uh, the, the fight, the, the sea peoples were uh, very good at sea because they had better ships. They had uh, a, a kind of pentaconter, which is a 50 odd uh, 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 ship and with sail. And, um, but they were also um, innovative in uh, land battle because they managed to, um, to, um, uh, to win off from uh, the chariots. Because basically the the fighting uh, in the Bronze Age is done by uh, chariots, chariot forces, and uh, the the sea peoples were on foot and they could uh, defeat a chariot force. 
So that's that's new at the at the moment then. That is. That's actually that I, that's new to me too. Actually, I never really thought about chariot. Uh, you know, the battle of the battle of Kadesh between the Egyptians and the Hittites was yes. uh, um, basically between their chariot forces. Yes, and, uh, the the foot soldiers were looking on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they. I don't. I don't think they wanted to get involved in that whatsoever. <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't either. So, <laughs> um, so uh, I know that your paper is or your paper and book is involves the ethnicity of the Sea Peoples. We've discussed the Sardinians um, and another Italic group as well. When it comes to ethnicity, to you, would you define ethnicity for the audience? Well, ethnicity is uh, what you think you belong to. And it can, it has different aspects. Uh, I think language is very important. People connect very good with uh, with language, but uh, religion can be a factor. Uh, so you have groups who are uh, together, bound together by religion. And uh, the difficulty is to to translate this in archaeological terms, because uh, the pots don't tell us what the people uh, believe, uh, where they be belong to. So um, that's a little bit uh, um, a difficulty. But um, you know, uh, if, if if in Greece you have um, one type of uh, pottery, Mycenaean uh, pottery, and it's all the same everywhere where you are in Greece. So. And you know they had linear B uh, with uh, Greek uh, texts uh, already in the Bronze Age, so you can make a picture that this is overlapping the text and the archaeological culture. So there will have been uh, a Greek ethnicity uh, group in in Greece, no doubt in this time in, in this in this period. So absolutely. Um... That's interesting. I think that's pretty much how pretty much everyone defines it too. I always ask because sometimes every once in a while somebody has a slightly different uh, definition, and that really matters in this context. You mentioned the uh, religion uh, being probably a factor in unificating uh, a certain group. Uh, I know if the Philistines are left over from the Sea Peoples, do you believe that what we know about their religions would be a pretty good example of uh, different religions within the Sea Peoples groups? Uh, I know their their religion was different from the from the Jews. Uh, yes, that's for sure. But what exactly it was, we we have very little information about. Uh, there is some archaeological evidence, of course, but we have very little information about. Um, well, maybe the Bible tells us that uh, some god was. Uh, uh, worshipped by the Philistines, uh, but there's very little information. But it was different from the from the Jewish uh, religion, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, I would imagine, especially it being such an outside uh, invading force, I would imagine they'd probably have very little to do with like the Yahwehic tradition of early Judaism and stuff like that. So that's uh, that pretty much answers that. Um, I'm actually going to be having, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with him, Dr. Klein. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to eventually you know the book uh, yeah. the year uh, civilization class 777. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to be uh if everything goes according to plan, I'll be hosting him later on in the spring whenever it arrives. Yeah. Very good. Uh, 
So that'll be pretty interesting. I try to have as many people on as possible when it comes to this subject. I've got a few lined up and I'm really excited to kind of see where it goes, get some different viewpoints, different thoughts. Um, when it comes to academia and its viewpoints on the Sea Peoples and the late Bronze Age collapse, do you have any personal views or opinions that uh, may be different from others in that uh, in like the majority consensus? Well, the majority is uh, 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 not making clear where the people come from. Who who exactly are the Sea Peoples? They 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 don't say from Shardana are from Sardinia or something like that. So they are they are uh, skipping this. Yeah. And if you don't know the origin, you cannot tell the story, uh, I think. So um, the, 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 the whole story. So um, Klein is, is, of course, very famous and um, uh, <laughs> he wrote a good book, but he is not going into the details about the uh, origins. It's only a few people have done so, um, like uh, Waxman, Shelley Waxman, who is an expert in uh, in boats, and he discovered that uh, the boats are have uh, are of a type which is um, uh, influenced by um, Unfield Europe. Ooh! And he sees more uh, influences from in Unfield Europe and. Uh, I think this is uh, the the basis for understanding what happened in this period, because uh, at the end of the Bronze Age, you get a migration from Unfield Europe to Italy. So people in Italy are uprooted and go uh, away from their homes. And that's the Sea People, starts of the Sea Peoples. And they take with them, they go to Greece and they take uh, Greeks with them and they go to uh, Turkey and they take a uh, population from there with them. So it's um, uh, this kind of effect, uh, domino effect. Um, yeah. It starts with the Unfield um, uh, uh, migration to Italy and the Weshes are. Uh, if they are indeed Oscans, they speak um, uh, Italic language, which is introduced in this period in Italy. So the Osc the Weshes are um, are uh, Unfield people. Interesting. I had actually I had not heard that one. That's actually that's very interesting. Uh, that actually kind of touches on my favorite subject because we a lot of people and it's still it's changing slowly as time goes on and uh, different findings and stuff like that. But for the longest time, uh, the Celtic peoples are believed to have came out of the Urnfield culture in Europe as well. Um, and so that's that's interesting, especially them moving down into Italy. As we know, uh, as the Roman Republic slowly grows, they know that northern Italy is pretty much Celtic territory. And so I, I, that's pretty interesting how that kind of comes together. That's, that's later. Yes, the much later. Later. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think already in the seventh century, but not in the end of the Bronze Age. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't believe so either. So the, 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 the Italic population lived uh, north of the Alps in um, Austria, Hungary, thereabout, and they cross the Alps and uh, go live in um, in Italy. And later on, the Celts do the same. Yes, but they go to the Po Valley. Uh, most of them. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually, they're gonna make the Romans very angry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
There is actually I was I was going to ask you about because there is a section uh, of your paper that I actually have not gotten to yet. It talks about the Etruscan origins. Um, do you uh, and I actually I've I've read several people in comments on YouTube and stuff like that. They discuss the possibility of uh, the Etruscans. How do I put this? possibly being a part of the sea people's invasions do you agree with that or no because i'd actually never heard that until i saw a comment on that yeah that's that's very interesting uh the etruscans are uh in the greek sources the tersenoi and the the tersenoi are represented uh, among the sea peoples as the teresh so it's one of the groups but I think in this period, the late Bronze Age, they are still in Anatolia, in in Western Turkey, and uh, they colonize um, central uh, Italy in the early Iron Age. So this is the story about uh, from uh, Herodotus uh, that uh, the Etruscans uh, come from um, from uh, Lydia. Okay. I get that. that, All right. That's that's, uh, 500 years later than the sea people. uh, Quite a a bit later. Quite a bit later. Okay. Very interesting. I look forward to reading that. You see this in in Italy with the rich graves. Uh, This is all from uh, uh, 700 uh, and later uh, BC. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. Huh. I like that. I stay. I think my favorite part so far is what you said about the Philistines and the Israelites. I truly, I keep going back to that because I'd honestly, I'd never heard of that before. And so that, that actually makes a lot of sense. I love that. I, I'm going to have to completely include that too, even though it's really not related. I got to put that in there because I know if I didn't know it, then I know I can't be the only one. So I, I hope I'm not the only one. <laughs> so um, when it comes to the uh, sources on the Sea Peoples, and we know the Egyptians wrote about them. We know that the, uh, I'm assuming the Greeks wrote about them as well. The Greeks? Yes. No, they were destroyed. Uh, the, pillars, uh, the palace is in fire and uh, there is uh, only um, some uh, tablets show that they were uh, alert uh, for something coming from the sea. Okay. So they had ships uh, posted along the coast, etc. So they made uh, their preparations. But the only thing we see is um, is a destruction layer. Yeah. They so didn't tell anything anymore what happened uh, yeah. to them. Yeah, that's too bad. The, the that's most, too bad. Uh, the most uh, important texts, um, which are not Egyptian, are from uh, Ugarit. Uh, there is correspondence between the the, the king of Ugarit and um, and uh, the king of uh, Cyprus, or uh, uh, his uh, first uh, minister, and uh, there is correspondence uh, what uh, ships are coming and some se- only seven ships uh, they they have in one letter, for example, but they cannot defend themselves against this. And uh, so what shall I do? And uh, then the other says, uh, go into your uh, behind the walls of your city and defend yourself and et cetera, et cetera. So those are um, very exciting texts uh, about <laughs> uh, the troubles. 
I can imagine. So basically, those guys, those guys were on their own at Ugarit. <laughs> He's like, I wish I could help, but you yeah, know. yeah. The problem with Ugarit is that uh, the ships, uh, Ugarit is a vessel of uh, the Hittites, and their ships are on sea with the fleet of the Hittites, and uh, their uh, army is uh, in Hittite land, so they are completely undefended at the moment. Yeah. Man, I mean, I can't even in the destruction layer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's why we have all those letters. Yeah. yeah. So did the uh, did they? Uh, I know you mentioned. Of course, we know the Egyptian. All we know about the Greeks is they knew something was coming. They just may have not known what at the time. Uh, we've got the letters from Uger. Uh, Uger. Uh, no, no. Oh my God! Say Oklahoma, and we can't pronounce anything here. <laughs> Uger it to uh, the king of Cyprus. Did the Hittites uh, leave anything behind to document the invasion of the Sea Peoples that would eventually rip apart their empire? Uh, no, the Hittite, uh, they they think that the, the Hittite capital was evacuated uh, at some time. And so they took uh, things with them, etc. So uh, we don't have uh, much uh, information about uh, how uh, the, the Hittite empire um, was defeated, but they were defeated uh, at sea uh, in the waters of Lycia, that's, that's uh, West uh, uh, Turkey, Southwest Turkey, and uh, they were also defeated on land. Yes. So, um, and um, what is interesting for this period is uh, recently there have, have been discovered Luwian hieroglyphic texts the so-called Baikou uh, 2 text. Uh, and uh, this was done by Eberhard Zanger, um, uh, who found it in the, in the uh, Mellard files, the, the, the files of uh, archaeologist uh, Mellard, British archaeologist. And uh, some people say this text is a falsification by him, but uh, the text is very long and uh, complicated uh, from a linguistic point of view. Uh, I think Melat was an archaeologist. It's too difficult for him to fake such a long text. And this text give, gives us information just about the period of the, of the Sea Peoples. And uh, it tells about um, uh, a commander of uh, the king of uh, Azawa, and he goes all the way with ships uh, from, uh, his name is Muxas, Muxus, or Muxas, and that's later Mopsus in uh, Greek literary tradition. And he goes all the way with ships to Ascalon and uh, find, uh, founds a, a fortress there. So we know this happened because the Greeks wrote about this also. So the text, uh, the Luwian hieroglyphic inscription and the later Greek tradition uh, uh, coincide in this uh, information. So Azawa was, uh, that's uh, Western Turkey, uh, uh, was very important in this uh, period. That's interesting. I noticed that uh, the more I study the subject and the more uh, people I come into contact with who's written about it and they've done research on the Sea Peoples and the late Bronze Age collapse, we start to see a particular people pop up quite a bit. And you've already just mentioned them, uh, the Luans. Could you tell us a little bit more about them? Well, um, 
What do, what do you want to know in specific about So that? I know a lot of my audience, because I'd actually, uh, the Lewian studies actually allowed me to use some of their footage on the subject. Uh, Dr. Zanger has been very gracious in allowing me to use a lot of his content. He's actually going to be coming on here eventually, too, probably okay. after the uh, first of the year when things settle down for him as well. And uh, I was wondering, let's just start with the very basics and talk, because they, uh, in a lot of people's minds, they play a pretty big role in the late Bronze Age collapse and local politics, affairs, and stuff like that. So let's start with uh, what do we know about them as far as who they were? Well, we know uh, from the script uh, what their language is. Uh, so that's Luvian. It's uh, close to Hittite, but uh, still different. And it's uh, typical for the people living in the West. We don't know whether Troy was uh, Luwian or not. There has been a Lu uh, uh, found a seal in Luwian hieroglyphic in Troy, but I think Troy is more connected with uh, Trace, the other side of on the continent, and um, uh, and Phrygians. Uh, if you go into the detail of the language of the Troyans, I think you find uh, names which are. Uh, more like Phrygian names and Thracian names than Luwian names. But of course, they may have married, the king may have married uh, a daughter of a Luwian king. And so um, Luwians may be represented after all in Troy. But uh, basically, Luwians is south of Troy, the whole coast. Uh, you go to uh, uh, Lycia, which is uh, where uh, Lycians live. And this is also a Luwian dialect. And you can go uh, to Turkey uh, along the coast. The southwest part is all uh, Luwian. So uh, if you see the, uh, the amount of population, uh, the Luwians were probably more important than the Hittites. But <laughs> the Hittites, we have more tablets and more information about the language than the Luwian. Um, did uh, did the uh, did the Luwians? I believe the Luwians actually went into an armed conflict with the Hittites. Would that be correct? Uh, more than once. I was going to say yeah, it seemed like it was a pretty due to the weapons we found and stuff like that in archaeology. There, it seems like they were pretty much always kind of beefing it up with the Hittites, especially yeah. probably if, uh, if the Hittites were uh, on a low ebb. Uh, the Luwians were important. You have, for example, uh, Targunaradus, which is uh, 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 a an, uh, Luwian um, uh, a king of Arsawa, and it's a Luwian country. And uh, he, um, he is uh, writing with uh, Pharaoh um, Amenhotep III about the marriage of his daughter with, to, with the Pharaoh. So he's at that moment more important than the Hittites, because the Hittites are uh, in a bad situation at that time. And then there is a great king. The Hittites are normally great king, but uh, if they are uh, in a bad situation, then the, the great king is uh, of the Luwians. And this is uh, Targunaradu in this period. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah, they... Uh... 
I, I know I see it. I'm starting to slowly, slowly, as many of my audience are, start looking at the Luans, especially in ancient Anatolia and the influence that they had. Um, when it comes to the late Bronze Age collapse and the Sea People's incursions, um, were the Luans integrated into that? And did they eventually help them fight the Hittites or were they pretty much wiped out like the rest of the Hittites? Well, the, the Baikeu uh, 2 text informs us that uh, the uh, Azawan uh, country and king is involved in the Sea People's um, uh, attack. And um, uh, this king is uh, Kupanta Kuruntas uh, III. And... Um, his um, uh, general is uh, Muxus, who is from Troy, and uh, he goes in ship with uh, fighting people, etc., to uh, all the way to uh, Ascalon in uh, in Philistia, later Philistia, and uh, finds um, uh, a fortress there. So. Um, in a sense, uh, if this text is correct, then uh, the great king of Asawa was fighting against the great king of uh, of Egypt at the time, the pharaoh of Egypt, because uh, Ascalon was in uh, Egyptian territory at the time. So it's a clash between two uh, great powers at that moment. And other groups were involved also. We know it's more complicated, but... Um, uh, Asawa played uh, an important role in this uh, period. Interesting. There are uh, there are quite a few historians that kind of, I feel like they kind of, and I'm sure you feel that way too, they kind of downplay the Luans when it comes to the late Bronze Age collapse. Is that due to them kind of resisting change in what we know about history, or what are your thoughts on that? Well, the Hittites are always more important and... Um, you know, in Turkey, uh, uh, we had the regime by Ataturk, and uh, he saw the Hittites as his uh, ancestors uh, with a great uh, realm. And uh, they didn't like so much the Luvians, uh, but if you see the, 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 the land of Western Anatolia with all the big rivers like the Meander, and uh, the Hermos River, etc. Uh, it's very uh, a good uh, agricultural land. Uh, you have a lot of water, you have metals, uh, you have gold and, uh, and silver in the region uh, found there. So, uh, uh, well, Zanger can tell you more about uh, the, the, the situation with the metals, etc. But... Um, it's a very important region, and yeah. also later, of course, we know uh, from the philosophers Thales, from Miletos, from Milet, from Milet is is uh, also in Luian country. Oh, but wow. then uh, the 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 Greeks have migrated to the other side of the Aegean and have uh, colonized there some cities. But uh, this is Luian territory. Uh, Interesting. So in a sense, uh, you could almost say that Turkish nationalism kind of got in the way of uh, Luwian studies just a bit. 
because, because of course we know more about the Hittites, it's more difficult to learn about the Luwians because you have to learn this uh, this Luwian hieroglyphic script, and we have also some cuneiform text in cuneiform Luwian, it's called, and then you have the dialects Lydian, Lycian, Carian, but it's more fragmented and yeah. uh, more difficult to uh, to to learn all this. Yeah, I can believe that. The fact that people like you uh, are able to, I mean, really learn, not only learn these uh, sense in a dead languages or these really complicated languages in the past, it's absolutely phenomenal. Just the work that you do and others like you are so priceless when it comes to people like me and learning about history. I mean, honestly, y'all are like the uh, the rock stars, per se, of uh, <laughs> the history books that we have today. And so it's always a pleasure to be able to talk to people like you, especially gracing the channel and my subscribers and myself with your time. We really appreciate that. Um, people like you are literally the reason why we know what we know. And uh, honestly, I don't think we could thank you enough.